Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Many voices are more powerful than one. When we share ideas, developments, and power, we can achieve anything. Welcome to DJ and DeBear, keeping you at the top of your game. Your hosts are Deetta Jones and Richard Dent. Together, they have made a worthy life that includes a family, two businesses, a foundation, and much more. They're ready to help you find your personal success. Now, here are Deetta and Richard. Welcome to DJ and DeBear. I'm Dieta Jones, your host. I'm a social justice advocate, leadership and organizational effectiveness coach, speaker and author. And I am usually joined by my better three quarters, NFL legend and pro football Hall of Famer, Richard Dent. Richard is not able to be on today's show. He is working. He is out there shaking hands and kissing babies. So Richard, have a, I hope you're having a great day. Um, I also have another little piece of bad news. Our very, very special guest for today, Tasha Simon, um, who is a professional intuitive coach and spiritual healer, was is not able to be with us on the show today. She had a, um, a family emergency that called her away. And so, Tasha, we um, have you in our hearts and our prayers, and we hope very much that um, all is well at your end. Um, and by the way, Tasha is my first cousin, and she is uh, there giving support to my Uncle Joseph. So, Uncle Joseph, um, I wish you well, and I, I love you. Um, so today, here's, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to stick with the topic, and I'm going to give it my best shot. Now, I do not have Tasha's deep expertise and years and years of training, professional training, but I do have... Um, a, a lot to say on the topic of uh, creating breakthrough experiences and opening up your mind and heart to new possibilities. So I'm going to give a shot at having this conversation with you today um, and share with you uh, some of the things that have been my own framing experiences, uh, some of the uh, in, important milestones along my own journey, and also some things that hopefully will be helpful to you as you are managing your own uh, expectations around uh, where your life is, where you want it to go, uh, places where maybe you have been um, stuck or you are currently stuck, and uh, some new ways of potentially thinking about or even some new practices that you might incorporate that will allow you to hopefully have some breakthrough experiences. This is a topic that I spend a tremendous amount of time talking about with clients in a professional setting. Uh, at a personal level, when I do executive one-on-one -on -one coaching, when I work with teams, and I do a, quite a bit of work with uh, senior leadership teams, for example, who really want to be uh, to drive innovation and creativity in their organizations, but they also really want to figure out uh, how is it that they can develop deeper capacity within their team that can then help the rest of the organization to grow and build a larger organizational capacity. 
And I also work with organizations that are going through pretty significant change in industries that are transforming. So I, I'd like to bring some of those experiences uh, in the way that I do to you, listener, today in a way that hopefully is helpful for you. So here's what, here's what I'm going to do to frame the show. I'm going to start off by telling you a little bit about my own personal journey differently than I have in previous shows. I have shared a bit about myself and my path in previous shows, but I want to share it uh, more connected this topic in a way that frames out my own journey some. And then I want the next uh, three segments to talk about one, why is it so important to avoid fear and the, the havoc that fear can play in our lives, in our relationships, in our effectiveness, whether we be talking about personal relationships or uh, in a professional setting. Two, I want to talk about anchoring to aspiration. This is my favorite phrase. I use it all the time, but I can't use it enough. It's absolutely essential that we understand the power of aspiration and use it as a mechanism to help us create the realities that are so um, important for us, but also to really just fulfill our destiny or, or to create a more innovative experience in our organization. Whatever feels right for you, that language, but anchoring high is what we're going for. And then the third and final uh, part of this conversation is going to be about measuring success. I think it's really important to give us a framework for talking practically about how we measure success. Because a lot of times we talk about things like innovation and breakthrough and fear and aspirations, and all of those sound great, and they may even intellectually click with you. But practically speaking, all humans need to have milestones. We need to know that we're going in the right direction. We have affirmation. We need to give ourselves feedback loops. And especially those of you who are trying to th- say, how can I apply whatever it is that I'm learning about my personal life and relationships and even emotional intelligence and, and translate, th- translate that into my workplace setting. I think the measuring success conversation is essential for giving us practical guidance and tools and techniques for being able to uh, measure progress, but also to communicate progress to those around us and to ourselves. So that will be how we uh, close up our episode for today. So starting back at the beginning, I want to share just a little bit about my own journey and why it is that I'm, I've decided to take the bold leap and try to manage this conversation with you today on my own. My own life's journey has been largely about uh, an identity quest. And I've talked about this some as relates to culture, for example, and, and, and race and ethnicity and gender on uh, previous episodes. But today, I, I think I'm going to take a little bit of a different angle. And, and it's still part of the same journey, but I'll frame it as more of a spiritual quest. All of us are uh, multidimensional, multifaceted people. And so when I talk about my life and my journey, like all of you listening, you've had many aspects of yourself that you've been discovering and clarifying and even tweaking over the course of your life. And this spiritual quest has been something that's been particularly uh, enriching and even difficult for me along the way. So I'll start off with uh, the way that I was introduced to spirituality, and it was as a very young child growing up as a Jehovah's Witness. So I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. Now, not everyone knows what Jehovah's Witnesses uh, are. We are Christians, so it's a Christian-based uh, uh, faith. Um, and like many religions, it had a very strong sense of uh, kind of communicating right, wrong, good, bad. Right. This is these are the these are the rules. These are parameters. 
I also have to say some of the most loving, wonderful, nurturing people I've ever met in my life were people I met um, early in my life and as part of uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses community. So from a very young age, I was uh, deeply immersed in the Jehovah's Witnesses community and I was deeply devoted to learning the Bible and actively engaging in witness-appropriate behaviors, which was very strongly not just suggested but expected that witnesses spend as much time as possible around other witnesses to keep ourselves kind of reminded about what Jesus-like and God-like behavior looks like and to um, hold each other accountable for really living up to the, the kind of standards that, that God um, expected of us. So I did that uh, from a very early point in my life. On the other hand, one of the things that even as a very young child, I remember never feeling completely comfortable with was the kind of duality that was presented. So as I mentioned, I um, it felt like it was an incredibly loving community, but there was also a very strong sense of kind of right, wrong, good or bad, yes or no. And that's never made sense to me, even as a young child before I understood what duality meant. It just never made sense to me. I've always been a particularly curious uh, person, always wanting to wrestle concepts into um, accessible mental frameworks for myself, something that really allows me to make sense of things. And so I remember a time when I was a young child, maybe 11 years old, and I was staying for multiple days with a witness family, uh, a, a couple, a married couple who uh, lived in an apartment complex near us. And this couple hosted Tuesday evening Bible study in their apartment. I remember one evening after Bible study was over and everyone was was gone, I raised a question with uh, the man, the, the brother in the couple. Uh, we called him, uh, we called everyone brother this and sister that. And I questioned him about that I couldn't quite work out on my own at 11 years old and issues that came up during the Bible study for me. That particular topic that evening was about Noah and Noah's Ark. And I had some, some particular questions about you know Noah's public drunkenness, that he was chosen by God, about the length of time he was in the ark. You know, in one, in one chapter and verse, it would say he was in the ark for this period of time. And in another chapter and verse, it would say something different. And I, and I questioned that and I just wanted to understand it. And, and I remember that he told me definitively not to question the Bible, that it was disrespectful to God. Well, I, um, as I guess too precocious of a child, um, I said, well, God gave me a brain and couldn't possibly be upset at my attempt to use it to more fully understand his words. And, you know, I literally remember kind of point by point going through this and saying, further, God is all knowing and all seeing. And so he can't. He can surely see, uh, read my heart, and, and know that my intentions are honorable. And then finally, again, I'm in bullet point form at 11, year old, 11 years old, God is loving and not vengeful, and so can only smile on my modest attempt right, to uh, understand, to deep, more deeply understand uh, my knowledge of him. It was at that third point, I think, and I'm not sure if it was the points or the presentation from an 11-year-old that a huge backhand slap came across my face. I had enraged this very godly man man, uh, so deeply that uh, I think it blindsided him and it blindsided me. And uh, he, he just hit his breaking point with my incessant questioning. His reply 
after the slap was faith is not questioning. And I'll, I'll never forget that slap. I'll never forget how I felt at that moment. I was, I was scared, of course, and, and upset. But more importantly, I knew, even as an 11-year-old who had enraged an adult, that I was not wrong. I didn't know if I was right, but I didn't know that I was wrong to question. I knew, I, I knew that I wasn't wrong. I knew that it was okay for me to explore and to wrestle with the things that I didn't understand. And, and the rest of my life has been along that uh, vein, where I've been wrestling and seeking to understand uh, what it is to be spiritual, what it is that um, is God's intention for me and for us. And o- over the course of the years, I, I, I finally left uh, uh, the, the witness faith, though, you know, with, with love and gratitude for all of the amazing experiences and life lessons. And I went on, I remember to college and went on and courses in world religion. I did things like uh, you know, studied the rites of passage to become a Zulu warrior. I, I, I studied Taoism. I started practicing meditation and yoga. And I've continued along the path, along many of those uh, areas of exploration over the course of my life with my heart fully open to all of them, not believing that I need or even want to find the one true path, but that my heart and my mind are meant to engage and to explore possibilities. And that's what I think we're talking about today. I think it's about allowing our heart and our mind and our spirit to connect in a way that's deep and may not be necessarily understood or encouraged by the society within which we live or the institutions within the institutions within which we've been raised but in ways that really are consistent with that voice inside of our own head inside that whisper that's telling us it's okay to to not know it's okay to question it's okay to seek it's okay to to listen deeply and, and in that space, in those spaces, there are answers and possibilities that otherwise we might not have access to. And so that's what I want us to talk about more is that, that space that we can explore together um, when we listen, when we open ourselves up to possibilities, and also to start thinking about what some of the potential implications are for our life and creating more breakthrough experiences. So here's what I want to do. I want to switch gears now for just a few minutes. And while we're at commercial break, I want you to visit my website, www.dietajones.com. Check out my latest blog posts and hit me up on Twitter at Dieta M. Jones. And hit up Richard. Hey, at Richard underscore Dent 95. We both want to hear from you. We'll be right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Richard Dent, a cornerstone of the Bears' overwhelming defense during their Super Bowl run and a 2011 inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, was an eighth-round draft pick out of tiny Tennessee State in 1983. The tall and skinny rookie wound up with a brilliant 15-year football career. Dent's fascinating story takes you behind the scenes of one of the fiercest, most dominant defenses in NFL history. Blood, Sweat, and Bears hits hard, just like its Hall of Fame author. Buy it now on Amazon or download it to Kindle. Dieta Jones has been delivering expert guidance through her speaking, consulting, and writing on leadership, management, and cultural diversity for more than 20 years. Her engaging style and infectious laugh combines with mastery of personal effectiveness tools and cutting-edge research. She is diplomatic, yet direct, and concept 
fact-based, yet practical in her approach. If you are looking for a high-powered speaker for your next conference, consider Dietta Jones your ace in the hole. Call her at 312-870-9596 or visit her website at dietajones.com. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to DJ and DeBear, keeping you at the top of your game. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That number again is 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to djones at dietajones.com. Now, back to the show. We're back and continuing our conversation on creating breakthrough experiences, opening your mind and heart to new possibilities. And before break, I was talking some about my own early uh, efforts at trying to understand, uh, you know, who I am as a spiritual person and uh, the connection between my mind and my heart and my spirit. And, and uh, at this point in my life, I'm really excited to, to say that I feel like I'm still on that journey, but learning more and more on a daily basis and, uh, and also finding that there's a community of people and ideas and language and resources that become more and more available to me every day. It's like I've created a space that is literally attracting more and more people who are uh, finding uh, the, the breakthrough possibilities in their own life, finding and harnessing the creative energy in their own lives and in their relationships, whether those be personal or professional. One of the things, though, that is the surefire disaster um, for the lives of so many people who either have been or are feeling stuck is uh, this focus on fear. Now, I have to say, it's not that people are intentionally focusing on fear. Fear is a very natural, hardwired response that uh, all of us have to contend with at many points over the course of our lives. But it's really, uh, it's really difficult to shake it, and it's really essential that we give it a shot. So. Here's the, here's the tricky part. We live in times that are just too fast, too chaotic, too filled with stimulus for our brains that are wired for a reptilian age, right? They're, they're wired from, for a time that was much slower, a time where we had different roles and ex- expectations and relationship uh, in relationships to manage. And so now what we have is this old kind of reptilian wiring that leads us often into fight or flight mode, uh, which is a helpful defense mechanism if we're fighting from or trying to escape from a bear. But it's not particularly helpful when we're at an executive retreat or during a college, college uh, entrance exam or having a, an important conversation with our loved ones or our children. So now the, now the question is, how do we bypass and create mechanisms that allow us to be effective in spite of this wiring that doesn't really serve us in the contemporary world in which we live? So that's what I want us to think about some, because we, we need to be able to be emotionally intelligent um, all the time. And 
from what I can tell, the, the speed of life and the chaos that we are um, often navigating is only getting more and more intense. So what I want to go back to is a model that I've, I share pretty regularly when I'm working with clients and that I want to share with you now. So I want you to visualize a model that's basically a continuum. In the center of this model, put the words current reality. That is, you know, you are here today. And to the far right is vision or aspiration. And to the far left is fear. Now, one of the things that I love to say over and over again is in the, in the absence of a compelling vision, pettiness prevails. We'll talk about that during our, our next segment, and that's the vision and the aspiration. But in the ax- absence of our ability to kind of focus clearly on what tomorrow holds, where it is that we're going, and have some sense of security about the future and, and connectedness, then it's, it's very likely that we will be in this place where we're focusing on fear. Our energy focuses on fear. The space between current reality, where I am right now, and fear, which is at the far left end of this continuum, is called distress. It's the emotional energy that creates uh, this fight or flight mechanism, defensive uh, mechanism that we get into. And literally, neurologically, we shut down, we dumb down our capacity to, to think, to be innovative, to be problem solving, to be analytical, uh, to be open to new ideas, to alternative points of view when we are in that space. So that space between current reality and fear is called distress and it is a limited capacity space. It is the place where you literally are trying to just survive. I can't tell you the number of times that I've been in organizations and shared this model with people and tears start welling up in people's eyes because this is a place where so many folks are living. I was having a call earlier today with a person I I do some executive coaching with and three or four times in a one hour call, this space came up and the catastrophe associated with being within space came up, not just for this person, but also for a number of the people that this person is in relationship with in a workplace setting. And it's because the organization is going through some pretty significant change and they don't know exactly what tomorrow will bring. And adults do not feel satisfied waiting blissfully for the next shoe to drop, for the other shoe to drop. We need to know what's going to happen next. And this fear literally puts us in a place where we um, lose access to the smart parts of our brain. Now, that's staying at a very brain level, right? So what I've talked about so far is what neurologically happens and what happens to our body. But the tricky part is that it is that we are not just intellectual beings. We cannot just intellectualize ourselves out of this fear space, this distress space. We have cortisol that has now been released into our body that makes it impossible for us to get to a calm, level-headed, open-minded place that also allows us to explore possibilities and to have breakthrough experiences for at least two to three, if not more hours after that initial shot of cortisol has been released. It is also my experience that more and more people are living from cortisol released to cortisol released in today's very hectic environment that um, most people uh, are, are explaining to me and describing to me that they have less and less periods of truly lucid moments, of tr- truly um, having access to clear thinking, uh, calm, open, positive 
possibility-seeking experiences in many of the workplaces environments that I'm working in. And so I'd like to encourage you to think about to what extent is this your own reality and also think about what are some of the possibilities for minimizing this. One example of a great way to try to get the cortisol levels down in your own body, meditation. And um, as, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, meditation is uh, something that's been around for you know 5,000 plus years. We have tons and tons of uh, scientific research that underscores uh, the, the uh, proven uh, effects on our body and our mind and our uh, mental clarity from meditating. For those of you who think meditation is, you know, one step beyond your comfort level, I'd also say that even simple deep breathing techniques are magical. And again, this isn't just kind of new agey stuff. There, there are plenty of psychologists and neuroscience uh, uh, and, and MDs who are also prescribing uh, deep breathing exercises to their patients who are overstressed and feeling like they're living in very um, anxiety-filled experiences. So I'd like to encourage you listeners to think about simple ways to get your mind and your body uh, reconnected and to be able to have a, a more um, helpful impact on your emotional reality. Now, the spirit. The spirit is the next layer, which oftentimes, especially in workplace settings, um, it's difficult for us to get to. It's interesting, though, because it's becoming much more popular for people to talk about uh, the spiritual connection, even in a workplace environment. When I was at the Chopra Center um, in San Diego just a couple of months ago, I was having wonderful conversations with the folks there about uh, potential programs for well-being that they're exploring. And, and uh, recently, I've been introduced to the work of uh, Penny Pierce, who is an absolutely amazing author and uh, intuitive uh, thinker uh, and uh, writer. And, and here's what she says. We're leaving the information age and entering the intuition age. A new time is upon us, bringing profound change that pressures us to learn the rules of a greatly expanded new world, one where consciousness skills will become the most valued resource. Today, the secret to business growth lies in accessing higher dimensions of awareness and developing techniques that originate from that new level of perception. She even talks about why it's so important for in the intuition age to bring uh, you know, new, new tools to things like managing, innovation, sales, strategic planning, and goal setting um, that reduce struggle and optimize results. So for example, she says, by understanding how subtle factors like alignment, attitude, energy level, internal pictures, and postures, the interior blueprint, hidden agendas, and mindfulness affect outer results, we can narrow the time between concept and fulfillment of goals and reduce error caused by too much ego, unspoken assumptions, or the autopilot mind. Thank you, Penny. And I know that for some people, especially business people, what we often are looking for is something that's much more kind of formulaic best practices that are written by business authors that are coming directly from the Harvard Business School um, or that directly correlate with uh, quantitative metrics. On the other hand, the questions, the problems, the issues, the consulting engagements that keep me so busy are the ones that are much more naughty, much more complex, and much more rooted in 
the specific kind of ego-laden, fear-ridden issues like the kind that Penny uh, Pierce is describing in her blog post. So I encourage us to think about where some of these are and also open ourselves up to the possibility of of exploring more deeply how it is that we bring new sense of, new sense of knowing to the work that we're doing and to ourselves, um, and and that the typical intellectual approach is not going to be satisfactory. That we really do need to go from intellect all the way down into uh, body and spirit if we're going to start having uh, true breakthrough experiences that are also going to be consistent with and appropriate for the very fast-paced world that we're living in. Okay, I'm going to switch gears here. And uh, while we're at break, please visit my website, www.dietajones.com. Hit me up on Twitter at Dieta M. Jones. We'll be right back. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. Richard Dent, a cornerstone of the Bears' overwhelming defense during their Super Bowl run and a 2011 inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, was an eighth-round draft pick out of tiny Tennessee State in 1983. The tall and skinny rookie wound up with a brilliant 15-year football career. Dent's fascinating story takes you behind the scenes of one of the fiercest, most dominant defenses in NFL history. Blood, Sweat, and Bears hits hard, just like its Hall of Fame author. Buy it now on Amazon or download it to Kindle. Dieta Jones has been delivering expert guidance through her speaking, consulting, and writing on leadership, management, and cultural diversity for more than 20 years. Her engaging style and infectious laugh combines with mastery of personal effectiveness tools and cutting-edge research. She is diplomatic, yet direct, and concept-based, yet practical in her approach. If you are looking for a high-powered speaker for your next conference, consider Dieta Jones your ace in the hole. Call her at 312-870-9596 or visit her website at dietajones.com. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to DJ and DeBear, keeping you at the top of your game. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That number again is 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to djones at dietajones.com. Now, back to the show. We're back and continuing our conversation on creating breakthrough experiences, opening your mind and heart to new possibilities. And as I promised, I'd like our next uh, point to be around aspiration. I often talk about aspiration and anchoring to aspiration. And what I'd like to do is, is take a slight tact on it. So the first thing I'll say is, in the last segment, I asked you to visualize a continuum where at the center is current reality. On the far right is vision or aspiration, and on the far left is fear. The space in between current reality and fear is called distress. It's an emotional energy that literally is exhausting. So if anybody feels exhausted, that's what it is. It's fear that's weighing you down. 
The opposite direction, and this is where I hope we can all get to, is the space between current reality and fear or current reality and aspiration. What it is that we're trying to create, what we're trying to become, whether that be at a personal level or for your organization. That space in between current reality and aspiration is called eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, and it's a creative energy. It's the creative energy that is associated with bringing something new into being. And human beings are naturally motivated to create. We like it. No matter what it is that you've ever created, think back on it, and you will probably, even if it was difficult, even if it was exhausting, even if you wanted to pull your hair out and scream at certain points along the way, you most likely look back on it with some sense of satisfaction or pride or joy. And you, the, the, the feeling associated with that is what we're constantly motivated uh, to seek out. Th- that feeling is where breakthrough experiences uh, live. The, the desire to, to have an experience of bringing something new into being is the, is the reason why people knit. It's the reason why people have and raise beautiful children. It's the reason why people are entrepreneurs because we love to create. We love to bring vision into being. We love to aspire. So I, I want you to think about that and think about the places in your life where you feel like you don't have as clear or compelling of a vision as would serve you well in order to motivate your creative energy, in order to turn your attention away from fear and toward that aspiration and the possibilities there. Now, I want to tell you a story because I, I one of my favorite books that I've read recently, and I, I'm rereading it right now, is a book by uh, Tim Burkett, and it's called Nothing Holy About It, The Zen of Being Just Who You Are. And it's, it's a page turner. It's a, just a wonderful book. And in this book, he talks about um, aspiration. And he says, aspiration equals imagination plus courage. And then he gives this brilliant story. And the story has been around a while, but it's just brilliant to hear it. He talks about a six-year-old boy whose parents approach him because his uh, sister has uh, blood disease and needs a blood transfusion and his blood type matches. They've gone through other members of the family. It's only the six-year-old brother who has the same blood type and who can offer the transfusion. And so the parents sit him down and ask him if he would be willing to be um, a donor for her. And the boy sits and very carefully kind of contemplates and he pauses and he takes a little bit longer than the parents feel comfortable with. Um, answering. And finally, he says, yes, okay, I'll do it. And then as time goes on, they get to the hospital and they, the children are both laying down side by side. And uh, the doctors have the boy hooked up to the equipment so that they can begin the transfusion. And, and the parents are standing over the boy and consoling him and keeping him calm. And at one point, the, the boy looks up and says to his mother, how long until I die? I don't tell the story as well as Tim Burkett, but boy, the, the, the connection to courage is pretty profound. This little six-year-old boy, of course, you know, believed at that point in his young life that his blood was going to be given to his sister and that he was literally transferring um, or giving up his life for her life, and he was willing to do it. 
this is a boy who had an aspiration. He aspired for his sister to live. He aspired to be a good son to his parents. He aspired to do the right thing. And he also had really healthy doses of courage. Of course, he was fine. And I think his sister was fine too. But the point really is that aspiration has to be fueled by something greater than ourselves. Aspiration can't just be about a new car or a new house or about a degree. All of those things are, of course, worthy things to pursue. But aspiration, the way that we're talking about it today, the mind-body-spirit connection, deep emphasis on the spirit, is really about aspiring to find your purpose, aspiring to find your dharma and fulfill that thing that was really meant for you, the place in your life or the impact where that you can have on something that is greater than yourself, right? And then being able to imagine a future that is important to you, but also more important to you. Think back of the work of the brilliant psychologist Viktor Frankl in his amazing book, Man's Search for Meaning, right? Talk about vision, but also bring to something that is greater than yourself, that helps even in the sorrowful times, because there will be sorrowful times. I'm not encouraging us to think about this this continuum with current reality and vision and fear so that we're constantly going in the direction of vision and that there's never anything difficult that happens along the way. Of course, there will be difficult things that happen along the way. Of course, there will be painful times. Of course, there will be challenges. Of course, there will be setbacks. But anchoring to something that is bigger than you, that is more important than you, singularly, is what I'm talking about here. And that's purpose. And that sort of aspiration is where we individually and hopefully collectively as communities try to think about overcoming large-scale atrocities that we're dealing with, like, like war or famine or social injustices, as organizations are thinking about how it is that we create the capacity to transform even in an economy that's been unpredictable sometimes or relentless as far as its expectation that we continue to reach higher and higher profits every quarter and that we have a workforce that feels more and more uh, overextended. We're at personal levels where we literally are going full throttle all the time and barely making it from one, uh, from one day to the next, especially trying to fulfill the very full uh, plate that we have as far as family obligations personal balance and our careers. So the, the, the thing that I'm underscoring here is that aspiration needs to be purposeful, purpose-filled. And it is at that time then you're at, that you're able to really, really have a breakthrough experience. If you have not had this experience yet, if you are still trying to find your vision, your life's vision, your purpose, your specific contribution that you can make, keep at it. The one thing that I know for sure is that these breakthroughs are hard to get to and that you haven't, you haven't hit the right level if it comes easily to you. So if you can sit down and in a couple of minutes scratch out your vision or scratch out your purpose on a piece of scratch paper without having put much thought to it at all, you probably haven't nailed it yet. That it takes more internal soul searching and a lot of life experience. And, and that's the joy of it. Right. And that's the joy of it. That's what makes us who we are. And that's what allows us to really uh, be able to have uh, a purpose that is greater than ourselves. And, and the other thing is that and this is getting back to uh, the mind piece. 
when our mind is too distracted, it's difficult for us to see beyond the needs of the ego, the I want. So this is another plug for trying to create quiet spaces in your mind and in your life that allow you to do some of this deeper reflection and allow you to get further away from your mind, further away from the thinking and judging mind pulls that keep us away from what I'll call enlightenment. Now, I again, I know everybody will have a, a bit of a different take on the word enlightenment or even the mind-body-spirit connection, but truly finding that quiet place, that, that space that is closer to the real me that's not driven by external pulls is what we're looking for. It may feel like a cognitive dissonance uh, using kind of aspiration to create goals, which absolutely you should be doing. You know, we, I want to go here. I want to, to move in this direction. That is oftentimes, you know, uh, informed by external variables and has uh, things that will involve external parts of your reality, absolutely, while simultaneously letting go of the ties to outcomes. But you need to and hopefully are thinking about and finding ways to um, pursue aspirations without feeling like you have to be responsible for all of the outcomes that, um, that, and knowing that the journey is, is going to be worth it. And as long as you're moving in the direction of something that is purposeful and, uh, and, and having an impact beyond yourself, you're going in the right direction. The ego has investment in the outcomes, right? And that's what gets, gets us caught up is that many of us spend a lot of time uh, hemming and hawing and um, agonizing over the outcomes. This person did this. This person isn't changing. This person refuses to X or Y or this situation is unrelentless, whatever those situations are. And again, I spend a lot of times in organizations where there's a lot of that finger pointing and blaming and and expectation about very specific outcomes that we can quantify, qualify, measure, etc. That's the ego. We, we have to get to a place where we let go of that. And again, I'm trying to keep these conversations practical so that it just doesn't sound too metaphysical on us. But letting go of some of those ego-driven expectations will allow us to open up possibilities, will allow us to get to a place where it's not a yes, no, right, wrong, good or bad, uh, uh, you know, end of the road situation. But instead, it, the question becomes how or when or who, right? And, and that's the place where breakthroughs really live, where we're able to get out of right, wrong, good, bad, dualistic exploration and to conversations that open up possibilities where we're able to explore without judgment, without fear of losing anything, without uh, uh, feeling like our defense, our defense mechanisms have to be involved because there's something that we're protecting ourselves from. And, and this, is the, this is the place where we'll get to hopefully experience uh, vidya, right? The ability to see the interconnected nature of things and uh, the goodness associated with that interconnected uh, nature of things, where things become uh, simple yet complex and interconnected all at the same time, which is where transformation lives. And I think all of us are in a place now of really starting to realize that we are in a transformative time. 
And that transformation is what's truly needed at personal levels and at organizational levels and at society levels if we're going to get from here to the next phase of where we should be um, individually and collectively. And so really digging deep, really opening up possibilities is the only way for that to happen. So anchor to aspiration. Try to find the places in your life where you start articulating your own purpose, your own dharma, and then pushing yourself to make it more of a stretch, make it bigger, make it, make it uh, uh, more about the goodness or the potential opportunity, the potential for uh, bringing goodness or bringing clarity into the world. Even if we're talking in a business perspective, think about what the potential uh, impact is and push yourself to really have a different level uh, of thinking and different um, ways of approaching this aspiration conversation that I know so many of you are having. Okay, folks, one more time, we're going to shift to a break. While you're at break, hit me up at Dieta M. Jones. That's D-E-E-T-T-A-M as in Maria Jones. We'll be right back. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. Richard Dent, a cornerstone of the Bears' overwhelming defense during their Super Bowl run and a 2011 inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, was an eighth-round draft pick out of tiny Tennessee State in 1983. The tall and skinny rookie wound up with a brilliant 15-year football career. Dent's fascinating story takes you behind the scenes of one of the fiercest, most dominant defenses in NFL history. Blood, Sweat, and Bears hits hard, just like its Hall of Fame author. Buy it now on Amazon or download it to Kindle. Dieta Jones has been delivering expert guidance through her speaking, consulting, and writing on leadership, management, and cultural diversity for more than 20 years. Her engaging style and infectious laugh combines with mastery of personal effectiveness tools and cutting-edge research. She is diplomatic, yet direct, and concept-based, yet practical in her approach. If you are looking for a high-powered speaker for your next conference, consider Dieta Jones your ace in the hole. Call her at 312-870-9596 or visit her website at dietajones.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to DJ and DeBear, keeping you at the top of your game. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That number again is 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to djones at dietajones.com. Now, back to the show. We're back. And continuing our conversation on creating breakthrough experiences, opening your mind and heart to new possibilities. And the last segment of our show, I want us to focus on measuring success. Um, Because when we're talking about uh, breakthrough experiences and and changing and our life journey and transformation, it's very easy to to kind of... uh, over-process this and to start thinking about, well, how do I know I'm going in the right direction? How do I know if I'm um, moving along quickly enough, if I've mastered it? I can't tell you the number of times I've had conversations with people where I've tried to introduce 
techniques like meditation, for example. And people say, yeah, 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 but I, I tried that and I, I can't do it. I, I tried that. It just didn't work for me. I'm no good at it. And, and as my seven-year-old son says, oh, mommy, please, everyone knows how to meditate. <laughs> and we do. All of us know how to meditate. Now, do we do it to our own satisfaction? Maybe not. But again, that's because we're overthinking it. So I want to encourage you to not over-intellectualize this uh, uh, need to measure success in every realm of your life and to give yourself a break. Part of what measuring success can and should be about in your personal life and along your personal journey is also letting go, um, letting go of the expectations, letting go of the need to manage and control even uh, the way that I, you feel about things. Let yourself be, let yourself pursue uh, give yourself a break. The rest of the world is hard enough on us. You give yourself a break. However, I also do want to give you something that is a bit more practical as a way to think about measuring your own success. So one of the things that um, oftentimes happens for people, and I'm, and I'm this kind of person, absolutely, is that I, have, I, I feel insatiable sometimes. And oh, by the way, I've been told many times that I'm insatiable, that I'm constantly looking for the next breakthrough. I'm constantly telling myself, you know what, I could do better, I could, I could do more, I could, I, could, I could be better, stronger, faster, whatever it is. Well, yeah, 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 that's a good achievement, but, but I think there's a next thing in front of me. And, and that's how it is with measuring success. It's, I've heard it say that it's kind of like the horizon, right, that no matter where you're standing, the horizon is still in front of you, right? And, and even as you move closer and closer towards the horizon, it's still stays the same distance from you as it always has been. And, and that's how it is for a lot of people who feel particularly driven or who feel a strong need for having feedback on performance. So I would say go ahead and aim high, anchor high. Let those aspirations that we talked about during the last segment guide you, guide your thinking, guide your motivation, help you bring to clarity your dharma. Absolutely. Use that horizon to help you stay anchored and, and use it to help you create goals, right? So if you know that, you know, as part of your vision or as part of your aspirational future, you have, you know, these three or four elements, then go ahead and, and, and use that to help you translate th that aspiration into concrete goals over the next three or five or 10 or 20 years, what are the things that you want to accomplish that move you in the direction of your horizon, right? And use that. Take a practical approach. And then go back to current reality. Give, after you've articulated your vision and your aspiration or as you're still trying to bring that into clarity for yourself and as you are, start to concretize those goals and those things that you know you want to pursue, whether those be internal, spiritual development and reflection and, and reaching towards enlightenment, or if it's real practical uh, career accomplishments or educational accomplishments or family or life planning accomplishments, go ahead and, and, and make concrete and real for yourself and, and give yourself a timeline, etc. But also pause and measure the other direction. So this is where the measurement secret comes in. Look at your life today and look at your life one year ago or three years ago or five years ago. And the measurement from, should be from that past point. So for me, for example, I might say, you know, I made a pretty major life transition 
uh, about five years ago. And I need to stop today, right, July 2015, and look back and think, in July 2010, where was I? What have been some of the major challenges, obstacles, some of the major accomplishments, some of the things that I am particularly proud of, and how, how, how far have I come since then? Those are the places where I need to give myself feedback. And maybe I do it in smaller increments, but it is terribly important that we acknowledge and are grateful for the accomplishments and the successes that we've made to date. Because humans are motivated through, per, per, through feedback on performance. Feedback on performance. So I have to give myself the opportunity to acknowledge and to celebrate the things that I have done well and that make me proud. So go, let's go back to that creative energy piece. I have to plant in myself the opportunity to re-feel, be emotionally stimulated by the, the feeling associated with the accomplishments, the, the creative energy, the, the positive things that I've been able to have an impact on over the last period of time. And that energy, that positive energy will also allow me to have emotional openness needed to face the new challenges in front of me, the new creative uh, opportunities that are in front of me. So looking back, measuring from past successes, give myself a point in time, one year, two years, five years, describe the accomplishments, give myself a high five, a pat on the back for the things that I've done particularly well, the challenges and obstacles that I've overcome, learn from the behaviors that have worked well and that I want to repeat going forward, make commitments to myself about the things that I want to change. No, I'm not going to chalk them up to a failure. I'll instead give myself opportunities to think about places where I want to make course corrections. You know, I did this three years ago. I don't really like how it turned out. I think I'm going to do something differently next time. But beating myself up over the failure years ago is not going to serve me. It is not going to do me any good. But thinking about what I did and the impact that it had on me and others, on the situation, on the outcomes that I was seeking to have an impact on, that allows me to then make behavioral modifications that I can bring to uh, my pursuit of these new goals in the pursuit of my um, aspiration. So set goals based on aspiration, measure backwards. And make sure to give yourself positive feedback about the things that work well and to internalize and incorporate the things that worked well into my next steps going forward. It's terribly important that you allow yourself to feel the satisfaction, to feel the satisfaction associated with bringing something into being and to feel satisfied with the progress made. Because if you're always measuring yourself against the horizon, you will only be frustrated you will never touch the horizon and you will only be frustrated. And by the way, that internal frustration will start to eat away at your confidence. You'll start to um, be short-sighted and short-tempered, not just with yourself, but also with other people. And you'll also start to have unrealistic expectations of yourself and of other people. So I hope that's helpful as you think about ways to differently approach um, how it is that you uh, breakthrough experiences into your life just by making simple mental shifts and by trying some different practices that can help you really more deeply and regularly think about the connection between your mind, your body, and your spirit. 
that's it for me for today. I want to thank you for joining us, for joining me. I've loved every minute of it, and I hope you have too. Please join me again next week. We'll be having a very special guest, Dirk Beveridge, joining us, and we'll talk about innovation, and he'll bring some really exciting new work and research that he's done and techniques that he's done related to bringing more innovation into your organization and into your life. Until next week, keep finding ways to make a dent in pursuit of your dreams, to serve your community, to, serve, to make our world better. Thanks again for tuning in. Please join Dietta Jones and Richard Dent for another edition of DJ and DeBear. We'll be back next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week. Thank <laughs> you.